You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. Welcome to the Decoding Success Podcast. You are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. You chose a great episode to tune into. If this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome. If you're a returning member, welcome back. Really grateful to have each and every one of you tuned in because we are joined by my boy, Marek Smyslowski, Polish-born entrepreneur and executive focused on online businesses in frontier and emerging markets. He co-founded Jumia Travel, Africa's biggest hotel booking portal, listed on New York Stock Exchange as part of Jumia Group and HotelOnline.co a travel technology company, and in 2014, he was chosen as one of the 10 most important people in tech by IT News Africa magazine. He is a lead mentor at Google's Launchpad and World Bank's XL Africa program. Now, I'm going to drop some interesting information here about my guy, Marek. He was also on Interpol's Most Wanted, side by side, next to some of the people that were around the ISIS situation that was going on. So we got a lot to dive into today. Like I said, you picked a really good episode to tune into. We're not only talking about business, we're also talking about life, mindset, success, and beyond as you are well aware you are tuned into decoding success we get into all that good stuff so i want to give a huge shout out before we jump into anything i want to give a huge shout out to our partners over at acadium now being that we're in the quarantine phase slowly transitioning out of it we see remote work coming to the forefront right there are a lot of companies going into the future with remote work as their primary way of getting things done so acadium who has been doing this for a long time now you've been hearing me promote them as gen m they rebranded to acadium they are all about adding remote workers, specifically remote marketing interns to your organization. And you want to know what? You do not need to be in business to take advantage of these offers, right? If you are a speaker, if you are a podcaster, if you are an author, if you are someone that just needs help with marketing in general, this is your opportunity, whether that's your website, your social media, your paid ads, everything in between, Acadium is for you. To check them out, all you have to do is go to the link that's in the show notes of this episode. You do not even need to stop listening. All you have to do is scroll up, go to the show notes. You'll see the link. You'll get directed there. Keep listening. Keep the value coming. And now without further ado, we bring to you my guy, Marek. Marek, first and foremost, man, I want to say thank you for dedicating the time to add value here on Decoding Success. Really excited to have you today. So thank you for joining us. And it is my pleasure to be here. I have no idea how you found me. (laughs) Oh, listen, man, I I am very big on individuals that are making impact. And one of the stories that I want to dive into today clearly shows the impact you've made. Um, And I mean, it's amazing. So before we get into that, before we get into anything, I want to know how you personally define success. So, uh, so I have the two angles that I always look at when I define success. Um, and, and the first one is the material angle because you can really only enjoy life when you don't have to uh, beg for food, to be honest. So on a material level, uh, for me, success is when I don't have to look at price tag anymore. Let's just say besides buying a house or buying a car. But when you can travel and eat and buy stuff you like without having to look at price tag, that's definitely liberating totally. And depending on your needs, that financial level can be higher or lower because it all depends on, on, your, on your needs. And then on the maybe less materialistic level, success is just having the freedom to do what you, what you like. Uh, as, as cheesy and as general as it sounds, I believe that this really defines the, the concept of success and, and everyone can 
define it then in a more granular level. But for me, it's just, you know, whatever I've been building, because we're going to talk about business, I always done it. I always chose to do, to do that because it felt like it's going to be a lot of fun. And just being, ju- just being able to do that and not worrying about money, that's success already for me. It doesn't even matter if this company will, will end up being huge or only, or only like small to medium. <laughs> Yeah, I love the transparency first and foremost. So thank you for sharing that. Now, my question to that is, do you feel like you need to have the quote unquote material angle down before you could have the freedom angle down? Meaning like, do you, and you know, this is something that comes about and I always, you know, respect everyone's perspective on this. So I'm curious what, what you feel needs to be in place for you to be able to achieve the freedom angle. Like does that material angle need to be there first? I think for me, yes. And then again, because it, it's really hard for me to imagine a situation when you're just enjoying life, but every day you're kind of feeling hungry and you have to figure out a way to eat, <laughs> you know, in the most extreme way. So uh, as for me, success, success and feeling really happy and, and fulfilled and satisfied starts from securing the material needs first. But then there's still a lot of, you know, room here in, in this area because for some people, $5,000 per month is more than enough for some 2000 and for some 15, you can, you can make the achievement of, the, of this materialistic level much easier. If you're just going to decrease your needs by, you know, becoming a minimalist or, or, or just, you know, focusing on your spiritual part of life, because I believe that once you become more and more spiritual or non-material focused, then that level of material safety, because it's really about safety, uh, it, it gets lower. Right. So let me gauge your interest on this here. You know, you talk about having that almost the, the hunger, right, when it comes to food and, and begging for food and things of that nature. In the most extreme example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So don't you feel like you can channel that hunger to do more or achieve more and actually use that in a, in a positive light? Oh, definitely. Um, right. It's, it's just a different type of motivation. And I think the, the hunger for doing good stuff, the, the hunger for doing cool stuff, whether it's business or NGO or just making sure your family is happy, it's even a stronger, more powerful, more powerful version of a hunger. It's just a motivation and inspiration. Because, you know, if, you, if you're hungry, then you're just hungry. Then you, you have a very short-term thinking. The less money you have on your account, the more you have to watch out for your short-term consequences of your act, of your actions, and this is why your 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 decisions are always more risky when you look in the long term. But you have no comfort of of planning your life in the long term if if you're not safe because you're afraid of not being able to pay the rent or or, or you know make put food on the table for you and your family. Right. So I think so. To sum up, it's similar. It's it's a similar type of hunger. And I would even say that the hunger, that level higher, is even more powerful. Yeah, that's huge. And you know what? I'm trying to actually tie this into here, Marek. And uh, I'm going to give you a personal example. There were many, I'm 27 years old. There have been many times in my journey that I have not necessarily lost the hunger, meaning lost the motivation and, 
you know, I, I always look long-term. I play the long game. I'm not playing the short game. But when I achieve uh, a goal that might be six months or even 12 months, I hit what I like to call a quote-unquote upper ceiling, meaning um, I'll give you a personal example from finance. If I save my first $50,000 at 22 years old, um, mm-hmm. next thing you know, I've noticed that that 50000 dwindles down to, to maybe thirty or even twenty, or sometimes I blow it all, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what, what I credit that to, and it's not necessarily crediting it, but what I'll blame that on is losing that quote-unquote underdog advantage, right? Because once I no longer become the underdog, even though, you know, I, I still am the underdog at the end of the day, but once I lose that quote-unquote underdog advantage, things change. So my question, how I'm trying yeah. to tie this in here together is, how do you maintain yeah. that underdog advantage? You know what I'm saying? I got you. So I think I had a pretty similar experience in my life because when I looked at my 20s, because I'm, I'm 33 now, when I looked at my business adventure in the 20s, I would always, I would always, I could always really very visible and, and in a very clear way divide my, my year into nine months of absolute grind when I would just work 12 hours per day and achieve all the business goals that I wanted. And then three months after that would be a total decompression and partying and just spending money way more than I made and actually had to start from scratch again. And, and, and after it happened like three or four times in cycles when I had to build everything from scratch over and over again, I've realized that it was related to my internal uh, comfort level. Because I was just, my goals were just not ambitious enough. So when I achieved that internal level of comfort, whether that was $50,000 on your account, 100 or 500, doesn't matter. The moment I hit that account, I felt like all my internal mechanism that make me wake up 6 a.m. in the morning just turned off themselves because they were tied to this subconscious kind of a level of internal need. That's, that's how I kind of and uh, th- that's what worked for me when I've realized that. And then uh, what helped me in my case is that I always have this long-term super ambitious goals, uh, meaning it's never possible to achieve them within a year. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good I am. And, 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 and pushing those long-term goals higher and higher, always that helps me, uh, help me stay motivated on a daily basis and achieving those, those annual goals. Not, not sure if that makes sense for you, but that worked really for me. It does. It definitely does. Let me ask you, what was the internal work you did to be able to rewire your subconscious mind to be able to grind for 12 months as opposed to nine? Because that's super relatable to my case. And I I really appreciate you sharing that. It resonates with me on a super high level. So what were you doing um, maybe tactic wise or strategy wise to be able to shift to a point where you now can grind for 12 months and not nine and then watch three months of your hard work, you know, disappear, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I got you. Um, well, what worked for me, again, and I'm focusing on those, those things that really changed, that moved the needle, because I would right. assume that there's many small things that I've done. But the ones that moved the needle the most is definitely I started going to a, a psychologist uh, that helped me understand. My problem was that, that I, I can figure out my rational consciousness, but then I was always considering my mind and my internal motivations and basically anything that happens in my head as a fight between my consciousness and my subconsciousness. And I wanted to understand what is going on be, behind that consciousness level. So going to a psychologist really helped me a lot because he had this 
you know, medical approach, PAG, medicine doctor approach to what's going on in your head. But then I also mixed it with trying to read some books about Buddhism and, and spirituality, just to get, you know, the, 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 the angle of those two worlds, the, the, the very science-based world we live in and the more spiritual world that is not as clear in, in the current world we live in. So that, that really moved the needle in, in, in helping me build the healthy type of motivation that is long-term and more powerful. Then uh, what, what really helped me as a second thing was really changing my environment. Uh, as cheesy as it sounds, there's the saying that goes, the moment you're, you're the smartest or the hardest working person in the room, then you have to change the room. So I figured out that I was, I was being surrounded by people that were super nice to me, that people that are, you know, I spend my childhood with, people from work, people from my area in the city. But they kind of didn't give me the, the motivation or, or the, the connections or this or the value or the type of advice that would allow me to go step further. So as maybe heartless as it sounds, if you want to grow at some point, if you're entourage, if the people around you don't grow as fast as you are, you have to make those painful decisions and sometimes you know let some people go. Not just because they are some kind of toxic for you. I'm not talking about those extreme situations, but because they just don't pull you anymore. So I tried to then, you know, from the business perspective, I try to be around people way more successful, like mentors or, or trying to make business with people that have, again, as materialistic as it sounds, three zeros more on their bank accounts because that was the next step for me. Those two right. things really move the needle. Yeah. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, proximity is power, right? So when you have um, proximity to individuals that are, you know, um, where you want to be or where you aspire to be, I should say, uh, that's super powerful. But let me ask you about point two. You mentioned books and uh, around spirituality. If you could recommend one book that you read during that period of time in your life, what would that one book be? Yeah. So there's this one book that really is a way is, is, is exactly what I was looking for, which was a bridge between the rational science-based world and, and the spiritual world. And the, the book is called Power Versus Force. And it was written by Richard Hawkins, if I'm correct. I'm actually quickly checking now the, the name of the author because I don't want to uh, confuse it. Uh, David David Hawkins, awesome. uh, and and the book title is Power Versus Force. So this is a guy that is a PhD in science. He used to be a ph physics mass uh, doctor. I think he was even working on some uh, nuclear program in in the U.S. military. So basically, he had all the science titles you could have. And then he went into trying to understand our subconsciousness and spirituality with the currently available science tools and science methods. And he, the whole book is about the bridge, how to, how all of the spirituality things that sometimes you read about subconsciousness that you read about, and it sounds kind of, you know, woo for you or more like a magic or only crazy people do that. He applies the scientific methodology to it to help you really see a, a sense in it, especially skeptics. It's, it's a great book for skeptics or people that want to understand it even better uh, using their rational brain, not only believing someone and don't taking the word, the, the word for them. So that book, it, it really changed a lot when I read it. And he has written, read a lot of books in that matter, but this is a great book to, to start your journey. 
Oh, I love it. I definitely appreciate it. Anytime I could get a book recommendation out of someone, I, I absolutely do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a bookshelf right now with over 150. So um, I, I absolutely love it and I appreciate it. But Marek, we, we started to get deep. I want to get a little bit deeper. I want to <laughs> learn about your, your upbringing. I know you were born in Poland, but let me ask you this. Who were you in high school? Who was Marek in high school? Okay, so um, imagine those classic Hollywood comedies of high school uh, teens, high school kids. So I was in the geeky fat boy uh, uh, team. <laughs> so the one that was bullied by those football stars and the one that was always in the friend zone when he tried to hit on a girl. Oh, man. So, yeah, so that, that, was, that was a typical me. I, I was hugely overweight. And because of that bullying and to put it mildly, no attention from girls, uh, I have, have a, I have, you know, developed a lot of, I'm not sure what's the English word complexes. So kind of like personality problems right. that you feel that you're not good enough. But at the same time, I have developed this very, very powerful internal need of proving everyone around me that I can do better and I can achieve better. And this has been a very, very powerful factor of my daily motivation for many, many years, which in the long term, I believe is toxic because, uh, you know, it's, it's super effective to have that internal need that you need to uh, prove something to someone around you. But it's a double-edged sword. It can also destroy you internally. Most of the powerful traits of your personality or most of the powerful skills in business like charisma can also lead to you know psychopathy etc many times psychopaths have a lot of charisma etc so it's a double-edged sword uh, but it really helped me a lot those problems i had in sky high school in business afterwards because i had this internal motivation i'm going to show everyone around you i'm going to show all those kids that were bullying me in my town and after a couple of years, I'm going to come down in my cabrio wearing the best suit, having the best girl ever and the most beautiful girl in the, in the country. And that I actually did that. After a couple of years, I went down to my city <laughs> and, and those guys who tried to, who bullied me in high school then came to me and asked me for money or asked me for a job. And to tell them to go fuck themselves was super satisfying. It was super satisfying for five seconds. <laughs> and that's and after this five seconds, I realized that it was a powerful motivation, not the best one to have. <laughs> right, right. You know what's interesting? When we were discussing, I forgot what we were actually talking about earlier that made this want to come up for me. But, um, you know, I'm resonating with what you're saying on a super high level because I actually am motivated currently in this moment right now um, and over the course of like, I want to say like the past few weeks to literally prove someone wrong. And um, I, you know, again, it's, it's all coming together and it's resonating with me. You know, you mentioned the internal work you were doing. You said that you went to, you know, seek a psychologist. I didn't seek a psychologist, but I hired a coach. And yesterday when I realized that my motivation is stemming, my current motivation is stemming from the desire to prove someone wrong in the sense where this person essentially, and it was a female that I was, uh, you know, dating for a little bit. Um, she, she called me a fraud and I'm like, you know what? Am I a fucking fraud? Like, come on. You know? So I yeah. literally just turned on the switch, but it's interesting. You said it's a double-edged sword. So let's go deeper on that because I was talking with my coach yesterday and, um, she didn't necessarily say it was a bad thing, but she mentioned like something along the lines of it being like, we all have shadows. Like we, it's, it's a part of us in a way. Right. Um, so yeah. Why do you feel like um, that it's a double-edged sword? Like, why isn't a why isn't that like motivation long-term in your in your 
you know, perspective? Well, so if you're always going to be defining your value based on external factors, then I believe that it's very easy to get caught up in one of the extremes. One of the extreme is I'm always the best, like narcissism. And if you're narcissistic, you, 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 you stop even noticing the, the, uh, the, the external factors because you're always the best and no one ever has any point and you're always right. And that's a recipe for, uh, for failure in business if you never listen to feedback. Or you can end up the other, in the other extreme because you were always comparing you to your environment and for some reason you could never win. And you end up in this very, very deep feeling of shame that you're so shitty that you don't even have the, uh, have the right to leave. And you can end up being suicidal, you know, as crazy as it sounds. Those are the, uh, the consequences of those two most extreme cases. Uh, you know, being compared to your external, to, to the external environment, I think it's part of our, you know, animal brain. It's either like fight or flight. It's either me or you. And, 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 you know, being motivated with the internal things, I think it's more kind of a, what is, what makes us human very special. And uh, the problem is when you compare yourself always to the external uh, things is that you can never be really satisfied fully. You can never be happy (laughs) because there's always going to be someone. It's just a matter of time that will be better than you at this particular thing. Yeah. Um, you, that person's probably worse than you in something else, but if you're always comparing yourself to different people depending on the criteria, then there's always going to be someone better than you, and you're never going to be happy. And in the long term, I just look at it as something that will burn you out and will make you unhappy. Which kind of yeah. uh, happened to me, and and only after I was able to to find that what really motivates me. And I was able to, to filter out those motivation, which motivation really comes from the outside and which motivation comes from the inside. And when you stick to it, that's when you have this like a deep level of fulfillment, you know, again, as, 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 as cheesy as it sounds, but, and, and, and the reason why I also mentioned material aspects in the, in, in your, in my first answer is because I was only able to do it once I, you know, felt comfortable enough financially, um, if you know what I mean. Like I had the insurance, my family is safe. I have enough money in the bank account. I have all the things that I always wanted. I never wanted too much, to be honest. I was more like a materialist, more of a minimalist guy than materialistic. So it wasn't that hard to, to, to finally buy everything I wanted. And, and, and that comfort, that level of comfort and that level of safety uh, gave me space and time to, to think what I really want to do in life now, what really motivates me on a different level. That, that, that's the journey that I took. Other people, you know, probably can, can get, have a different journey and achieve the same. Yeah. Right. No, I appreciate you sharing that. I definitely appreciate that. So let me ask you, where did business come into play in your journey? I know I, I read something along the lines of you um, finding joy in snowboarding and things of that nature. But um, when you look back on, uh, actually, how about Let's start here. How were you defining success in high school? Uh, I want to stick on that topic. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, who you were in high school, but how were you defining success back then? 
so success in high school for me was all about girls and success in uh, sports and i failed at both <laughs> um i had very good grades but i never really learned a lot you know it was just not hard for me i, I guess i was smart uh, but i was always failing with the girls and no one was ever never never picked me to the to the team so that was my high success which was a big failure which then created that internal need of i'm going to prove everyone how 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 wrong they are about me um, the, the reason why I went into entrepreneurship is really not my family because I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mother was a teacher. My father was a soldier. Uh, I think it's because from my perception, from perception of entrepreneurship is that it gives you some kind of a freedom and also com competition, feeling of competition. Uh, so I was never good at sports, but you're competing with your competition. You're competing to make more money. You're competing to be player number one in the marketplace. So that's, that's, that, uh, that connection I see here. Uh, and then that level of freedom, at least at some stage, once you have a big corporation, then you, you're not free anymore because you're responsible in front of your clients and investors. But that's a different thing. In the beginning, it was a lot of, a lot of, it was super important for me that freedom aspect to even to that extent that, you know, when I go to an e-commerce store and I want to buy something and they force me to open a, open an account, I was like, okay, let me open the account. And then they forced me that my password has to have eight, eight uh, signs and one has to be capital and there has to be one special sign and there have to be two digits. I tell them to fuck off. They're not going to tell me what my password will be. Right. <laughs> so I always had, I always had this, had this problem of external, of other people telling me what to do. Uh, I think that, 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 that the source of that was in my parents who were very strict and they always forced me to do things that I didn't want to. And I was like, if I'm, once I'm gonna be financially independent, I wanna do what I wanna do. So, right. um, so those two things really pulled me into entrepreneurship. Nothing else, to be honest. Yeah. You know, you beat me to my next question. You, you, know, you, you mentioned your, your mother was a teacher, your father was a soldier. My next question was going to be, what was your household like in regards to, was it strict or, um, you know, was, was, did the TV have to be off at a certain time and things of that nature? Because, um, and, and not to stereotype anyone's parents that are teachers and or soldiers, but typically those are very yeah. disciplined, um, you know, careers, right? So uh, you, yes. you beat me to my next question there. Yeah, so um, it, it was a very typical Polish family in a post-communist Poland, because as you know, Poland, we we kind of were totally destroyed after Second World War. Our cities looked worse than Syria uh, is looking now. Um, then we had communism for 40 decades, and only in the early 90s, you know, we had this uh, cap capitalism coming, coming to Poland. So... It was like a typical low, lower middle class of Poland. So we had money for food and for very good education and nothing else. And my mom was super strict in terms of my grades. Because she was a teacher, you know, I could never argue that the teacher was unfair or the teacher did something wrong. So the teacher was always right. And my father, he was really laid back for a soldier. I mean, he was still a strict father in normal terms, but for a soldier, he was really laid back. Like he never hit me. He never, you know, told me to wake up 6 a.m. or stuff like this. Uh, but he was always on the side of my mom. <laughs> so she was the one driving the strictness. And, um, you know, they were able to break out into middle class and make more money by education because they both came from a family of farmers. So their parents, my grandparents, put all their savings to send them to, edu to be educated. And because of that education, they, you know, they, they break out. 
to, to a higher level in society. When I was in high school, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, education doesn't play as big role in, you know, you becoming successful in life as it used 40 years ago. But they were still in this old school mindset that it's all about education. So as funny as it sounds now, throughout, I only got my computer when I was in the second grade of high school because for my parents, computers were only about games and it was the, it was what destroyed your education that would help you in education. <laughs> so um, they wanted the best for me and they, I know I wouldn't be able to be where I am right now if it wasn't for the English lessons that I got in school and being sent to the best possible school in the region. Uh, but it was like a super, super old school type of uh, uh, upbringing because they wanted me to be successful in those things that made them successful without necessarily, you know, acknowledging that, that you know, that the world changes. But you can never see that the world really changes. You can only see it properly from the hindsight. So um, I'm, I'm super, I'm not blaming them. I'm super thankful to everything that they've done for me. Right. No, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. Now, Marek, let me ask you, how the hell did you get on Interpol's uh, list of individuals? <laughs> this, this is what people are going to find interesting here. When uh, I, I came across your book and you know, it was recommended to me, and we'll, we'll dive into the book a little bit too, um, but I'm, I'm yeah. really curious. I want to amplify this message. People are going to want to hear this. Yeah. So, so long story short, uh, after high school, I was working in a financial institution for a couple of years, made some money there. Uh, it was like similar to Wolf of Wall Street, but no, no, nothing illegal there. I made, <laughs> first very, very, I, made, I made my first very big money there. And that's where I was thinking that I'm on the top of the world, or I can do anything. And that ended very fast with the crisis, with Lehman Brothers and all the financial crisis. And then I kind of figured out that startups is the next thing I want to do because I could watch those CNN coverage of some hippies or uh, not really hippies. There's this other trend now. Hipsters sitting in Silicon Valley in the cafes, you know, writing something on their, on their, on their white mic books and getting million dollars out of it. And I was like, if these geeks, these crazy guys can do this, I can do it even better. So that's how I fell in love again, by trying to prove something uh, by startups. So I had, I've built some, some startups in Poland. Most of them were failures, but two of them I was able to, to sell for some money. And then I've met uh, a big, big internet company called Rocket Internet that has sent me to Nigeria because at that time they wanted to build uh, the Amazon of Africa. A huge company, you know, hiring ten, tens of thousands of people in more than 40 countries, basically building the Amazons of different continents. And uh, I was able to, to be in one of the, in one, I was one of the management team uh, there and they sent me to Nigeria. We started in Nigeria, then we went to Kenya, Ghana, South Africa. We ended up launching this business in 17 countries. Now the company is uh, listed on New York Stock Exchange. Not doing too well, unfortunately, but that's a different story. But anyway, after four, year, four, four years doing that, I've decided to stay in Nigeria because I really fell in love with the opportunities of that country and make a business on my own. And there's this saying in Africa, especially in Nigeria, that you need to have a godfather in your company, someone that is local, that can help you when the government starts to be interested in you. And, and by interest, I mean some negative stuff like bribes or stuff like this. So I, I, I introduced into my board uh, a local investor that was supposed to protect me from any negative problems related to corruption and government, etc. And uh, And he was supposed to protect us. But the worst thing happens when the person that is supposed to protect us in this local country decides that he wants to run the business without you <laughs> and he wants to get rid oh, of you. Oh, wow. 
Um, so long story short, I got an offer. I really couldn't refuse, meaning selling the company for almost nothing and him taking over the control. And for me, it was clear a blackmail. And I will, and I told him that this will never happen. And I decided not to, uh, not to do this. And I ended up kicking him out of the board because other investors and other founders uh, were on my side. You know, in in a in a civilized country, uh, sorry, Nigeria is also civilized, but in a, in a country with a rule of law where corruption is not that much of a problem, that would end up there. We were able to 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 buy shares from him, and that, that's how it would ended end up. But not in a country like Nigeria. A couple of months have passed after we were able to remove this guy from the board. He was still our investor, but not he was not in the board anymore. A couple of months afterwards, I was flying, I think, from Poland to London. And I, I was stopped at the airport and the lady at the airport says that I am wanted by Nigeria government for high, and, I, and I'm quoting, high-scale financial fraud. And, uh, and in Nigeria, you go for this, for some crime like this for 21 years. And I'm wanted by Nigeria right now. So obviously I was shocked. Long story short, there was a typical scheme that you bribe the Nigerian police to put a fake arrest warrant after you. Then thanks to the Interpol that connects the world, just like Facebook connects us all. And it has the same problems. Problems. Everyone can upload anything, but try to take it down. <laughs> uh, basically, they bribe the Nigerian policemen to put an arrest warrant. Then they put this arrest warrant into this global system. And I ended up not being able to travel anywhere outside Poland because I would be stopped at any airport in the world. And after this thing happened, I got a phone call from this guy's representatives from Nigeria saying, did I change my mind <laughs> about giving him the company in the end? And that's where I realized, oh, no, you, you met the wrong guy. Like, you've never seen anyone as stubborn <laughs> and as stupid to fight you as a Polish guy. And I decided to, to fight this. Uh, so I had to take Nigerian police to court in Nigeria for an illegal arrest warrant. I had to take Interpol to court in France, because that's where the HP of Interpol is, and tell them that what they, what they did to me based on Nigerian arrest warrant is illegal because the arrest warrant itself is fake. And then I had to fight the extradition request in Poland. So I had to fight three, three court cases at once. Uh, and one of the motivations that I had is that I'm going to get out of this alive. I'm not going to be sent to Nigeria uh, to obviously be kept in, in, in jail for a couple of weeks. And I would probably, they would, do, they would do different things to me until I signed those papers. I don't think they would want me to be in jail for 20 years. They just wanted to scare me. Right. Uh, anyway, it took 18 months. I ended up winning the court case in Nigeria. I'm now the only foreigner in the history of Nigeria that took Nigerian police to court and won. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is that they still owe me money for damages, but obviously I have no one to call to help me get the money from the police. <laughs> and the Interpol has, has uh, pulled back the Interpol red notice, which was like a global arrest warrant, you may call it. My name was next to guys from ISIS. That was crazy. <laughs> I have screenshots. Wow. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the extradition request was also taken down because the Polish court decided that it, this case has no base, basis. Uh, so this whole ordeal took 20 months and, you know, one third of my book is about this particular case because I told myself my book has just become much more interesting. <laughs> I always wanted to write the book. But if I win this, there will be a very nice ending to this book. So that was really what kept me motivated because those 18 months were super depressed. I was even in jail for a couple of nights, for one night in, in Poland until they figured out what to do with me. So there were a lot of hard moments. The second, that is, so that's the last part. Yeah, that's insane, Sorry. man. That's, yeah. 
Crazy. So that's that's uh, that's what's in the book. The this, the third third part of the book. The middle of the book is about running this business in Nigeria that ended up on New York Stock Exchange, and the first part of the book is actually my high school times where where I was bullied and I had this all these problems, funny problems with girls. And I'm writing about this because I want to show then in the other part of the book how those high school adventures, for the lack of a better word shaped me as a businessman and as a manager in positive and negative way in, in the years to come. Man, that is incredible. First and foremost, um, you, you answered my, <laughs> my you. question. I, I wanted to make sure that you weren't in jail for 18 months. That you're, You weren't in jail for 18 months. You said you spent one, like one night in jail in Poland, correct? No. Yes. So I was able to get out of by kind of like a bail. It's a different legal title, but it, technically it was a bail. I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to leave Poland. My passport was taken. But what it, allow, what, what it allowed me to is to continue work, make, make money, because you know having lawyers in three different countries and in three different legal systems is a lot of money. I ended, I ended up paying more on the lawyers than you know, the, the whole money I, I was supposed to lose in Nigeria. But it wasn't about the money only. It was also about some rules. And uh, yeah, it was about different things than money itself. Yeah. Wow, man. And, and listen, Marek, I know you do a lot of traveling. So, I mean, is it not in the back of your mind ever like, shit, like I might show up on this list or, or something like that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as long as you have someone in Nigeria that has some problem with you because you kind of beat him in court, then there's always a risk of this thing happening again. So I always have lawyers on the standby when I travel. The good thing is that it's not going to be that easy to do the thing again, to try to hurt me because the Interpol has already my name in their special you know, list of people that had this type of problems and they've already proven their innocence. So next time when an arrest warrant from a strange country like Nigeria or Sudan or you know, any country where you, you, you know, the democracy and is not in the best shape and the corruption is not in the best shape, uh, they're not just going to put it everywhere they will first find out what's happened what's happening and do a proper uh, investigation so you know anytime i fly and every time i see a guy that takes my passport my heart always stops my adrenaline level always goes up that's i don't think it's going to go away ever (laughs) but uh, uh, uh but it's better than it was and right. I finally can travel again and continue my global business. That's amazing, man. I'm glad you could do the global business thing. I, I know you're traveling today. You mentioned you're traveling today. I saw on your Instagram that you were just in Dominican Republic not too long ago. So let me ask you, what's your favorite yeah. country you've been to? Um, so Africa and Dominican Republic are on, on the top of my list. Um, really? Dominica, Dominican Republic, it's because, well, my girlfriend is from there, so I, I may be biased, but we all know Dominican Republic from, you know, Punta Cana and some big resorts and nice beaches. But when you look at this island, they have half of it. It's one of the most versatile regions in the world. You, you, you drive an hour from the ocean and you end up in mountains, which are like 3,000 meters above the sea level, and it's actually snowing there. Then you drive another two hours more south, and then you're gonna feel as if you're in Texas. You you you're kind of in the middle of a desert. So the nature is so diverse in a very like very relatively small piece of land. And the people are so chilled, uh, and and the weather is always nice. I love it. Um, South Africa is 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 in terms of nature one of the most beautiful regions in the world right now for me. 
Um, Cape Town is my favorite city. That's that's where, where I used to live. That's where my base is now. Uh, the quality of life, the value for money, and the, the mix of people. It's like, I call it the San Francisco of, like imagine mixing San Francisco and Los Angeles, making it 10 times, 10 times smaller and putting it in Africa. Because it has the show business part of Africa, it has the Silicon, it has the tech business hub here. Uh, you have great restaurants, amazing clubs, amazing um, you know, things to do outdoors. The safety is not the best currently. Well, South Africa was always fighting with safety, but you, when, you know, when you stick to the rules, you're good. Uh, so those two things, two two regions, uh, countries really are are on the top of my list. And, Very and the third one would be the third one would be Barcelona, uh, which is they all, all those three all those cities have something in common. Like they're not too big. There's some nature there. Barcelona has one of the most beautiful architectures in life, and people are just so laid back. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was in Barcelona. I want to say. In the summer of 2018, I actually went to Europe for my first time. I did 15 days in Europe, man. In Barcelona, it's beautiful. The food is amazing. Um, the culture is amazing. The women are amazing. It's uh, it's a really, really good place. It, I'm, I'm just like so shocked you said Dominican Republic. You know, maybe I'm just biased from being here. Like in America, we just treat DR as like a quick three-day weekend type of trip, you know. But um, very in interesting. Place, yeah. yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. interesting. And- Everyone I speak to, they just, you know, so just to put you, put this into perspective, um, thinking about Dominican Republic as the place with nice beaches and some resorts is like thinking about the States only from the context of Miami, really. Of course, on a different scale, but there's just so much more to it. The country is so much diverse. And I, and I went there, you know, thinking it's only going to be beaches and resorts. And I kind of fell in love with this country. And once I did a couple of road trips and I spent more time, more time. Right, right. I love it, man. I love it. I appreciate that. Now, Marek, I know you need to catch a flight, so I want to respect your time here. I'm going to squeeze a couple more questions out of you. You are clearly very advanced, uh, very experienced, and I I love individuals like yourself hopping on this show because these questions really get to extract some some major value. So I'm curious, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) So in one piece of advice is never enough. I always would say that, you know, um, okay, I'll choose one. As funny as it sounds, it came from Will Smith many, many years ago. He was receiving an award and then he said, the most important thing in life is running a reading. <laughs> reading is because 99% of your problems were solved by someone else because your problems are not unique. So read books and learn from others and, and running because so many things in life is about your physical mindset and you're not giving up too fast and running long distances is all about not giving up too fast because it's all in your brain. And this like resonates with me. And it, it's, it's, it's something that really I remind myself about what he said like over and over again. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that. Super, super, it was a cool one. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. First time we've ever heard that here on the show. We have over 100 episodes, you know, by the way. So I appreciate the the uniqueness there. Now, what is a piece of advice that was given to you personally that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but it ended up proving to be true over time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, So there was this guy 
he's he's like one of those guys that I look up to. He's extremely successful, sixty years old, put family first, still still make huge business. And then when I was like in, on on my on my on the peak of my performance business wise, he told me that you know um, he, he used an, he used like a metaphor. He said, "If you're charming and good looking and handsome uh, and you can know how to talk to girls." For the next 40 years, you can have different women in your bedroom and they're always going to be the most beautiful women in the world and you're always going to be super happy. But then at some point, you're going to be 65, 70 and you're going to wake up next to no one, but you're going to have all the STDs <laughs> in your blood. Oh, work. shit, yeah. And, and he said, this works with personal life and this also works in business. So I was like, oh, shit, he's right, but I maybe he's right in personal life, but I'm not really interested in this from the business perspective because I really enjoyed that part of jumping between companies every two or three years, jumping between projects because I would get bored fast. But then at some point you realize like you have to stay in one company from five to 10 years and look for adventures within the company, look for challenges within the company, but really push it forward because you will never build a significant company in three years unless you like, I don't know, I don't want to we use the names here. Someone really was super lucky and, and didn't want to push this company further. But even when you look at this company started in a garage, they were huge after three years. But imagine now how big they are after the next 10 years. So I'm talking about Apple, Facebook, Google. You know, all these companies were super huge three years after they launched. But look at now how big they are. So there's still so much work to do. So I had to, it took me some time to understand, okay, I just have to stay in one project, five to 10 years minimum, in order to really make it big. But I mean, really make it big, bigger than you could ever imagine. Right. <laughs> so I could, I had to, you know, it took me some time to understand that because I didn't like it in the beginning when he said that. Yeah, no, 100%, man. I, I definitely appreciate that. It resonates with me on a high level. I mean, I'm, I'm very much so similar in the sense where um, I, I get bored. And obviously, we had a little chat before we actually started recording this. So you know my background, man. I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people that tune into this. Now, uh, Marek, last question for you. If you could only give one piece of universal advice, it doesn't need to be business, it could be about life, it could be about whatever. If you could only give one piece of universal advice for the rest of your life, and I know you're young, you're not, you know, you're a few years yeah. older than me. Um, if you could only give one piece of universal advice for the rest of your life, what would that be? Um, I think I would use the same one that I told you already by, by Will Smith, because it's a tip and, and also a great advice for the, uh, for the future. <laughs> Right. I love it. I would say running and reading, running and reading. Just, just stick to it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, and plus you gave us a book to read. So uh, it's definitely uh, appreciated. And on top of it, Hey, I mean, people could also spin the advice that you gave or not necessarily advice, but um, you know, in regards to your favorite country, you know, you go run in Barcelona, go run in DR, go run in South Africa. Um, that, that's huge. Yeah. I, I definitely appreciate you hopping on here, Marek. Um, where are you hanging out the most on social? I'm going to have all of your social media handles yeah. in yeah. the show notes of this episode but where are you hanging out the most is it instagram is it twitter is it linkedin uh, so actually i'm on four platforms so facebook instagram twitter and linkedin i do this i i 25 i focus on each of them because i i believe in the diversification of your platforms and each right. of the platforms has kind of different kind of content that i push so you know linkedin is mostly like conferences i stay in like cheesy business-wise, business-related stuff. Twitter is my where I push interesting content I read and I throw some, you know, thoughts here and there. Not think, not thinking too much about it. Instagram is clearly about my my lifestyle, 
so less more relaxed and facebook is a mixture of of a little bit of everything but i i managed it all you know i'm not a social media celebrity or something so i don't get that many messages <laughs> i i do it all on my own i love it i love it listen people are going to want to keep up with you after this um so I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be able to you know funnel them your way through the show notes in this episode i'm going to make sure all the links are there one last time man i definitely appreciate you hopping on here marrick it was it's been an absolute pleasure next time you're in new york man you got to let me know got to grab a drink or something oh definitely uh dr is not far from new york it's only three hours flight and uh, I, I, I happen to stop by in Europe here and there, so I'll I'll take you up on this offer. <laughs> there it is. Huge shout out to my guy Marek hopping on here, decoding success, adding a ton of value nonetheless. I have all of his links to his social media accounts, his website, where you can get the book in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you're connecting with him. He loves connecting with individuals. Let him know you heard him here on decoding success. I'm sure he would gladly chop it up with you, exchange some insights, mentor, etc. So take advantage of these offers, man. Listen, they are out there for a reason. I'm telling you to do this for a reason. You can't get what you want or where you want to be without tapping into the resources that are being handed to you. You're listening to this episode. So with that said, make sure you are taking advantage of this. As always, I put a few tidbits that really stand out to me, that hit me hard, that resonate with me on a high level. So the first one I want to talk about is understanding that the problems, the quote unquote problems, the experiences that you're going through in this moment, 99% of them have already been gone through by someone. Sure, I know that your situation, all of our situations are unique. They are our experiences. People have probably been in similar ones though. And it's up to us to go out there, find out what they did in them. How did they get through them, right? How did they come out successful? What did they do? What did they learn from them? These are the things that help us, right? This is called OPM, other people's mistakes, um, other people's manpower, other people's experiences, other people's mentorship. That is what it is. And I want to make sure that I'm continuously reinstating that in your mind, reinstilling it in your mind, because I know you already know this. Trust me, we've talked about it a million and one times on the show, whether you're new to the show or not. I know that you already know this, but it's always good to hear this again. So I want to make sure that you know to make sure you're continuously going after those answers, whether that's in books, in podcasts just like this, in movies, in documentaries, in whatever it is. Seriously, go seek that. Number two, change the room or the environment if you are feeling comfort to the utmost extent. Now listen, comfort's a good thing. I personally enjoy a certain level of comfort. You may enjoy a certain level of comfort that may differ from the one that I enjoy, but I do want you to know that you need to continuously challenge yourself, and that's the point to take away. You need to challenge yourself in some sense, whether that means taking a new course or setting higher goals or, hey, maybe meeting new people so you're not continuously in that same room. Make sure you're doing that as well. Number three, mental toughness. Now, this was brought up when we were discussing running and how running long distances is more about mental toughness, in my opinion, and in Marek's, mental toughness is more important than the physical aspect of it. Now, some people may challenge me on that, and that's okay. I'm not saying that if you haven't ran in your life, you could run 20 miles if you have the right mindset. That's not what I'm saying. But mental toughness, and one way to strengthen that gene is by doing those things that are difficult, right? When you want to reach out to 100 prospects and you're at 50, you're like, you know what? I already reached out to 50. No, it takes mental toughness to sit at that desk and keep going, keep chugging away, right? When you're on mile three and you want to run five and you want to, and you say to yourself, you know what? I just ran three. I don't really need to run five. Well, 
that's where mental toughness kicks in. And I just wanted to reinstill that in your mind again as well. So again, those three points, number one, the problems, the experiences that you're currently having right in this moment right now have probably already 99.9% of them have been experienced to some extent by someone else. And the answers are out there. Their experiences, what they've learned, what they've done in those situations are out there. I highly suggest you continuously listen to podcasts, read books, etc. Keep finding those answers. Keep seeking them. Keep searching for them. That's really important. Number two, change the room, change the environment. Make sure you're continuously challenging yourself in some way, shape or form. And number three, continuously strengthen your mental toughness. Now, huge shout out to Acadium, our partner who is promoting remote marketing interns. If you need one, go to the link in the show notes of this episode. If you haven't yet, leave a rating and review, share, 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 connect with my guy, Marek. And until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.